I want to talk to you today about something that's difficult, all right? And, uh, and I haven't wanted to preach about it, and I have tried to avoid it, and I have tried to be like, let's do the first bit with the called and the loved and the kept, and, uh, and that's great, and, and I did feel like we needed to preach that. Uh, and then we could end it with, and beloved, you're kept in Jesus Christ, but there's a whole chunk in the middle that needs to be talked about, and I don't want to, so let's pray. <clears throat> Y'all ready? Good. Heavenly Father, thank you that your whole word is good for us. Every single piece of it. The bits we understand and the bits that we don't, even if we don't understand it, it is like water that washes over our souls, Lord. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good and the encouraging and inspiring bits. And we thank you for the healing. And we thank you for the faith. And we thank you for the provision, Lord God. But we also thank you for the difficult bits, the bits that chisel, the bits that rub, the bits, the bits that, that help us uh, uh, adjust us to become more like you, Lord. We thank you that it's all good. And I pray that those of us who have some maybe some roadblocks up that, that might have a different difficult time hearing this particular message, Lord, that, that you would soften their hearts and help them to understand that, that, that everything that you call us to do is, is not only for the, the benefit of the kingdom of God, but also for us and our families and our friends and our community. So God, help us to receive your word, not our word, not what we wanted to say, not only the bits that we enjoy, but the whole word of God in Jesus' name. Someone say Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, you can high-five your neighbor or 25 of your neighbors, and you may take your seats. All right. So a couple of things if you're new to Eternity Church. Firstly, I want to say welcome to church. So glad that you're here. Um, we've got a gift for you out in the lobby. Go out those double black doors down there, immediately turn right, and there is a team of people waiting to give you a gift to say thank you for coming to Eternity Church. Even if you're just a friend who flew in from New York to come and see a child get dedicated, well, God bless you. We still want to give you a gift, and you can take that back and wear our t-shirts at your church in New York, all right? And uh, so, so whoever you are, wherever you're from, even if you're, you're just visiting or, or you're looking for a church, we've got a free gift for you out in the lobby, okay? So go get that. I also want to tell you that before I preach today that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter how many walls may be up or down in your life, I love you. All right? I don't only preach parts of the Word of God um, you know, that, that I think are good for me. I want to preach the whole thing because I love you. All right? And if I love you, I care about you, and I want to help you become more like Christ. Sound good? And so no matter who you are, know this. We love you. I love you. God loves you. Uh, one more thing before I get into today's message, I want to give you a little bit of a teaser. Next week, I'm actually preaching a sermon called God and Politics. We're just going to do it. Why not, right? We're just going to go there. Uh, God and Politics. And, and I want you to know that there is only one group of people that will like next week's sermon, and there is one group of people that won't like next week's sermon. It's just going to be that clear, all right? And, uh, and, and, and it's my prayer that those who don't would hear the Word of God and enjoy it, all right? Uh, or uh, let it transform their lives. But, um, but, but I'll give you a little teaser. Uh, more God in our local politics, more God in our school boards, more God in our school systems, more God in our court systems, more God in our government, more God in the White House, more God in the Congress, more God in the Senate, more God in politics. So anyway, 
But let's preach today's message. Can I tell you how funny it is, though, um, as, I'm, as I'm like, you know, trying to avoid what sermons you preach and you know that it's a baby dedication or a child dedication service and you're like, what shall we preach? I'm like, I don't know. Let's preach about heresy. So it didn't feel particularly fantastic that, I had, that this is the topic So uh, for all of your family members, um, but welcome to church. So. <laughs> um, now, our passage that we read does repeat some of last week's uh, sermon as well, right? Uh, but you, beloved, uh, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for that mercy, that final mercy where Jesus Christ accepts you into eternal life. Um, we talked about a lot of that sort of stuff last week, right? You are called, you are loved, you are kept, right? Or I am called, I am loved, and I am kept in Christ Jesus. And, and so all of that's really good. But there's more in the middle of the sermon, sort of after, after that and, and, and before the end. Um, it's almost a carbon copy of 2 Peter and 2 John. It's quite fascinating. They even use the same analogies, you know, um, 2 Peter and 2 John and Jude, right? Jude probably being the most succinct, sort of short, uh, smallest version of it all. Um, but it, it's all about warning us about heresy, false teachers, and what we should do with them, right? And uh, so this is fun. And, uh, and, and Jude particularly draws a distinction between how we deal with a false teacher, that is, scoffers, false teachers who follow their own passions, and he says that it's them who cause division, create division and disunity in the faith, that they are worldly people, that they do not have the Holy Spirit at all, that they're pretending to be preachers and teachers. Scripture draws a, a, a very clear distinction between how we deal with them and how we deal with unbelievers in general, or how we deal with some believers who might have some doubts along the way, or how we deal with just the general population who struggles with sin, right? And, uh, and so it draws a clear distinction. Now, I wanted to talk only about how we deal with unbelievers, how we deal with people who doubt, how we deal with people in sin, and we have mercy. Uh, but that would be skipping the entire middle of the book of Jude for the sake of my own comfort and for the sake of the visitors from the child dedications. But I do feel that we need to hit it all, right? Um, that, that we can't just skip over the more difficult bits. So today I'm going to preach my first ever sermon on how, or this weekend, because last night and this morning, uh, I'm going to preach my first ever sermon on how to deal with heretics and false teachers. So giddy up, come on. <laughs> and, um, and, and if you're here and you're like, great, this church is one of those. No, I've preached over 750 sermons in my life, probably more, and, and this is the first and only sermon I have ever preached on false teachers and on heretics. I've preached on the issues and ungodly issues, and I've preached on sin and all that, but um, particularly in these last couple of years, but this is my first one. So if you're new, one out of every 750 sermons is just not that bad of a track record. All right? <clears throat> And, uh, and so, if anything, it should have been more, all right? And uh, so, but here's the thing. I have learned over the last couple of years that we cannot just preach the easy stuff. And for seven and a half years, seven years, I, I preached the easy stuff. Not wrong stuff, not false stuff, but easy stuff. And left the difficult stuff sort of out of it because, well, it's just, it's just icky, you know what I mean? And, and, and they're the sermons. Nobody emails you after you tell everyone, Jesus loves you. Nobody emails you and goes, shut up, I hated that. But they do after this sermon. 
And so, so it's just easier, but I, I am no longer willing to just preach the easy stuff. And so when I read the book of June and the Holy Spirit says, <clears throat> preach the book, <clears throat> not just the end, not just the start, preach the book, then I need to preach it all, okay? So we're going to talk about heretics and false teachers. But to be clear, Scripture isn't calling people who disagree with us on minor issues heretics. That's not what it's talking about. See, and I tell you that because I think the word heretic and the word false teacher gets thrown around pretty loosely these days, right? Uh, It gets thrown around kind of like narcissist and arrogant, you know? Like everybody that you disagree with is arrogant and everybody's ex-wife and ex-husband is a narcissist, right? And it's like, well, the odds aren't really in favor of your conclusion, you know, you talk to anyone who's been divorced and, well, he was just an arrogant narcissist or she was just an arrogant narcissist and I finally realized. And, and, and I'm like, no, not everybody that you disagree with is an arrogant narcissist and not everybody that you theologically disagree with is who scripture is calling a false teacher. You hear what I'm saying? So biblically speaking, right now, there's a lot of false information. There's a lot of false stuff in the world, right? But, but when, a, when the Bible talks about a false teacher and what we should specifically do with them, it's not talking about the school teacher that's teaching garbage in our schools because we don't have enough godly people on our school boards. It's not talking about them, though what they may be talking about is false, right? But, but that's not what this sermon's about, and that's not what Jude and John and Peter are talking about. It's not who Jesus was talking about. Biblically speaking, a false teacher also is not just uh, someone who has a different opinion on women in ministry than we do. It's not just uh, a difference on opinion on how to worship, whether we should worship with the hands in the hold the table, uh, carry the table, carry the piano position, or in the uh, feed me, see more position, or, or, or in the abandoned position. The people who think differently than us, that's not who Scripture is calling a false teacher, Okay. It's not a disagreement on how we should dress at church, whether it's okay to wear a hat at church or not. They're not false teachers for not wearing a hat, and I'm not one because I usually preach in a hat, all right? Um, A false teacher is not someone who disagrees with you on whether the gifts of the Spirit uh, died with the apostles or at the second coming of Christ, right? Now, I will say that it's very clear and obvious to me that the gifts of the Spirit did not die. Scripture says that, that, the, that these two shall pass, the gifts of the Spirit, but love shall remain. What it's saying is that there will come a time where the gifts of the Holy Spirit will not be here. Now, why? Now, some people think that that, that, that happened when the apostles died. Uh, there's no biblical foundation. It doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture at all. What makes a lot more sense is that when Jesus comes back to earth and raptures the saints, that that's when that'll be because we won't need them anymore, Right? But love shall remain. So that makes sense. But when the Bible talks about specifically a false teacher, it's not talking about that person either. Though they are misguided in a portion of their teaching and a portion of it is not true. But that's not what the Word of God is calling a false teacher. It's not even talking about people who have become ensnared by false teachers' lies, okay? It's not talking about your neighbor who goes to the church. It's not talking about them. False teachers are those who preach a different gospel and teach about a different Jesus than the Jesus and the gospel in the Word of God. When they talk about Jesus, other than his name, it sounds like a totally different guy. You know what I'm saying? 
It sounds like a totally different guy than the Jesus that we read about in the Bible. Or they're trying to make the Bible a bit more relevant today so they talk about it like he's a different guy, right? Same spelling, J-E-S-U-S, different dude, right? It's like Jesus and Jesus are spelt the same, two different dudes, right? I'm not saying Jesus is a bad guy, but he ain't Jesus and I ain't going to worship Jesus. You hear what I'm saying, right? Another way to explain this might be this. I don't know if you know Ian right here. He's, he's Pastor Connor's husband. He's a pretty big guy. He's probably pretty strong. He's got a beard and he's got sandy blonde hair, right? He could definitely beat me in a fight, right? So if you come to me and you start talking to me about Ian, you know, you know Ian, um, Connor's husband. He's like really short and he's smaller than Henry and he's very, very skinny and he's got black hair and, and he can't grow a beard. You know Ian? Well, I'll be like, I know a guy named Ian married to Connor, but that ain't him, right? And so that's how some people are with you. Just because you use his name doesn't mean it's the same guy. They may, they, it may be spelt the same, but they're preaching about a different guy, all right? It's not this Ian, it's that Ian. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Now, Scripture tells us, and this is where it gets harsh, and this is what I didn't want to say, but I, I, want, I want the whole counsel of Scripture. Scripture tells us that we need to remove those people from our lives. Wow. Got to get rid of them. <clears throat> that, that those who promote it, not those who fell for it, but those who promote it are false teachers and we should not be friends or close friends particularly with false teachers. Now, in, in 2 John, the message uh, really sums it up really well. Now, some people, as soon as they hear the word, the message, they're like, oh, it's one of those churches. No, listen, I, I, I preach and read the ESV. You can't get any more beast mode than the ESV other than the KGV, all right? Like, that, that's it, all right? So I know that. There's nothing wrong with the message, though. What's the message? The message, it's not a Bible, it's a commentary, okay? And every sermon that I ever preach, I read from a commentary to make sure I got this right, all right? Because I want to know where else does Scripture talk about this? Am I on the right track with this, right? What does the Greek say and the Hebrew? And, you know, what, what does this mean, you know? And, uh, and so I use a Matthew Henry uh, concise commentary quite often and a few others. Uh, the message is like that. It, 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 it's another explanation in easy-to-understand terms of what it says. And here's what the message says, and it says it so perfectly, talking about um, what these passages are saying. It says, if anyone shows up who, who does not hold to this teaching or to this Jesus, don't invite him in and give him the run of the place. Don't do that, all right? It says, don't give him the place. That would just give him a platform to perpetuate his evil lies and make you his partner in crime. And it's like, Wow. Isn't that harsh, right? And then it goes on. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking walks out on the teachings of Christ. You can read that in any other version too in Second John. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking walks out on the teachings of Christ. And here's the thing. Listen, the word of God is living, but it's not progressive, all right, there is a difference. It's alive and it's life-changing and it'll bless you and change your life. But it is not progressive. It is not changing. And what it meant is what it means and what it means is what it meant. It doesn't progress or change. It doesn't need to be modified to be relevant. It is as it is, alive and well and perpetually relevant 
meaning what it means. Amen? And anyone who needs to change what it means is walking out on the teachings of Christ. So what does that mean to me as the pastor of this church? What does that mean uh, to me as a lead pastor at Eternity Church? Well, if I, be, I want to be blunt, again, stuff I, did, I just felt like we needed to say is, you need to know that that means I will never, ever give a microphone or the platform uh, to a progressive preacher. Ever. It will never happen. They'll not be invited into this house or into my house. Now, know this, I'm not taught, uh, when I say they won't be invited into our house, I'm not talking about the people who fell for it, I'm talking about the guy who lied about it. The guy who promoted it, the guy who's, who's trying to change the word of God, who's preaching about a different Jesus and a different gospel, spelt the same but totally different, right? A, a preacher that I know, a Methodist LGBT preacher, uh, and this is not the only issue, by the way, I'm just using this as an example, a Methodist LGBT preacher, um, uh, he, he invi- sorry, a, a guy I know, a preacher I know, invited a Methodist LGBT preacher, um, not just someone who affirms that, but someone who actually is actively engaged in and living in that lifestyle, uh, invited them to come onto this stage for a Sunday sermon so that they could, uh, so they could talk about the things they agree on. They were like, there's a lot we disagree on. He probably stands with me on the traditional definition of all those things. But he, he felt like, you know what, I want some unity in the place. And, and so, so I'm going to invite this person up on stage and let's talk about what we do agree on. And on the outside looking in, you're like, you know, the newspapers, they're like, oh, yes, more of this. Yes, yes, yes. And they did that for a display of unity. But can I tell you, that was not a display of unity. It was a display of heresy. That's what that was. It was a display. Scripture says that those who lead others astray will be punished so severely and so harshly. It will be even better if you tied a millstone to your feet and jumped in a lake. That's what scripture says would have been better than what happened on that stage that day. That's intense, isn't it? Right? Now, again, we can just skirt around these difficult bits and we can just do it. Are you all cool with it still so far? Good. Right? So what I'm saying is someone who preaches a different gospel or a different Jesus won't get up on this stage ever. We're not going to do that. Uh, they're not going to be friends with me. They're not going to be on my... Oh, we might get a coffee someday, but I'm not going to invite them uh, into the house or into my house. Why not even my house? Well, I've got five kids who I don't want to let that poison into their lives. I'm not just talking about that one issue. I'm talking about whatever issue tries to save themselves without the need for Jesus Christ. I'd rather have dinner with a murderer than a progressive preacher because one of them knows they need Jesus for salvation and the other doesn't. It's not because I hate them. It's not because I hate gay or trans people. Not at all. I'm, I'm great friends with some gay and trans people. They know where I stand. I know where they stand. They're good people. Or at least what the world says is good. They're good people. They're kind. They're nice. You know, got no problem with that in terms of, you know, being friends with them. No, no, no. I'm talking about the people that preach and promote a false gospel. It's not because I hate them. I don't. But I do hate the gospel of self-salvation. You don't need to change it. It's already good. You don't need to edit it, make it easier. It's already incredibly amazing. They deny the need for a savior by denying that their favorite desires are sinful. They throw shade on God's design. See, here's why. Look, particularly maybe in that particular issue, listen... In the very beginning, see, um, in the first 10 to 20 verses, they've already tried to muddy and undo what God has done. 
already. Now, you might be like, oh, it's just the start of the Bible. No, it's not just the start of the Word of God because someone ordered it however it got ordered. It's not just the start of the Word of God. It's the very foundation of creation. In the beginning, God said this and this happened and God planned this and ordained that men this and women that and come together like this and God ordained it and they're already messing with that. And if, they, if they're messing with foundation, what are they going to do to everything else? They're just Pharisees in a new skin preaching a salvation without repentance and without the need for Jesus. I warned you all this was going to be heavy, didn't I? Yeah? Yeah, good. We all right? Good. Can we still be a hollaback church when it's hard, please? Yeah, good, good. <laughs> there is no one, and you've got to understand this, there is no one that Jesus was harder on than Pharisees and false teachers. No one. And we're all like just want to be easy on them because it's difficult and because someone's married and in-law is one of the, you know what I mean? Like, like no, 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 there's no one he was harder on. It's just an old Pharisee in a new skin. Let me explain that. Pharisees were all about legalism, right? Like tick a box. Here's how, here's how to get saved. Tick, 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 right? So, so it was, Pharisees weren't about salvation in Jesus Christ through faith in him alone, right? They were salvation through ticking the right boxes, right? I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, and I do do this, right? So you save yourself without a savior, right? Well, what, are the, what does the new Pharisee do? Well, the new Pharisee does the same thing. It just looks prettier, they think, right? Um, it, it save yourself without Jesus. One was save yourself by doing the right thing. The other one is, well, the things I'm doing aren't wrong, so I don't need a savior. So I can save myself again. Do you see how they're the same thing? They're two branches. What's funny is how much the new Pharisee and the old Pharisee hate each other. And I'm like, you guys are two sides of the same coin. You and you are both trying to save yourselves without Jesus. Listen, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Amen. There is only one way to salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. Without Him, there is no salvation. There is no hope. You cannot live in God's plan for your life. You need Jesus. Amen. You don't need Jesus who doesn't care about sin. You don't need Jesus who doesn't have grace. You need Jesus full of grace and full of truth. Jesus who forgives your sin and helps you stop. Amen. You need Jesus. Truth and grace. You know, without truth, there's no such thing as grace. Because you don't need grace for somebody who's not doing wrong. Without truth, there is no such thing as grace. The Word of God is so good as it is, we don't need to change it. Right now, while you're dead in your sin, He loves you, forgives you, and His grace will sustain your salvation from the moment that you discover there's something wrong in my life all the way to the moment that I finally have victory over it. It's already good. You don't need to change it. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> this is what's fun, funny though. Scripture never once tells us to be gentle or to have mercy on false teachers. Just be blunt with them is what it tells us. So let's be Jesus. Let's not give them an inch. The reason the world's gone crazy is we gave them an inch and they took a mile. Let's not give them an inch. That's wrong. You cannot get on my stage. And according to Scripture, we should not invite the false teachers, not just, not, again, not the poor buggers that fell for it, but the teachers and the preachers of a false gospel should not be invited into our home. So I won't. And that was the hard bit. You all ready for the fun bit? Mercy! Right? 
Come on, you all ready for the fun bit now? Because this is the bit I wanted to preach, although I'm running out of time. So I could just leave you with that, but that would be harsh. Enough on false teachers, all right? That's what it said about false teachers. For every other person in the world, Scripture says, compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy. Mercy, 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 mercy. Amen. So Paul, Jude, Jesus, Peter, John, all of them told us to beware of and to be blunt with false teachers and get them out of our lives. But we are given further instructions in this season where we're surrounded by all of that garbage. We're given more instruction that says for every other person, mercy and grace. Y'all should be excited about this now. We're at the fun bit. Come on. Mercy and grace. Verse 22. You ready for it? We're going to go through it pretty quick. Verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. What's that mean? Be kind to people who doubt. It's that simple. Be kind to people who doubt. It's talking specifically about believers in this situation. That would be people in the room or online or around the world who, who are believers. They believe in Jesus Christ, but they have some doubts, right? So be kind to them. Don't be like, toughen up, little princess. You know, like, like be kind, right? <clears throat> Let me give you an example. The pandemic, I haven't really talked about the pandemic for ages um, because at Eternity Church there hasn't been a pandemic since June of 2020. But... but we, um, we've just got on with life. Um, but, but here's the thing about the pandemic. There are, there's so many people that hate each other because of this season that we're in. And it's really quite bizarre and confusing, right? Let me give you an example, right? Masks. <laughs> so we got people wearing masks, right? And, and people be like, stop wearing a mask. Have some faith. You're a Christian. Scripture says to be, have mercy. <clears throat> Or other people, wear a mask, your grandma kill. Have mercy, right? Like, have mercy, right? A better example might even be this. At the start of the pandemic, when you went grocery shopping, for about six weeks, you washed every single thing that came into your house. Hands up if you did that. Come on. Don't, don't be ashamed. Come put your hands up. Put your hands up. Come on, right? Like, okay, it was just the Newmans, all right? And a couple of other crazy people. But they told us to do it. And at the start, I'm like, well, I don't know. So I'll do what you say. And so we're like, okay, we, get, we got lettuce and we got lettuce wash and we wash the milk and everything that come into the house, we wash it. And then after the kids go to bed, we get out the Clorox wipes. And that, well, I had them all, uh, but I always had them all. And, um, and so we wash the walls and you got to wash the door handle and you got to wash the fridge handle because Corona loves to get on you from the surfaces until it didn't. Until it didn't, right? Until the science changed again. And, uh, but for those first six weeks, right, we we're all like, everybody's going to die if you don't wash your lettuce, all right? And, and so, so we did. And, but for me, I was about six weeks in, and I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. I, I'm going to live my life. And if I die, I die. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Giddy up. Let's go, right? That was me six weeks in, right? I did my bit, and I'm like, I'm done with this garbage, right? I might die. People are like, you might die. I'm like, okay. You might kill someone's grandma. I'm like, okay, I'll see you in heaven. You know, like, let's go, you know? And, and, then, and so I'm like, let's go. Here's the thing, though, about that. Those of us who got over it quick tended to be nasty to those that didn't. Like, we got over it in six weeks, and they were six and a half. And we're like, six and a half weeks of that guy? What kind of coward are you? Don't you have any faith? And... People didn't have faith, you know what I mean? It's like, come, you know, and so, so we started attacking each other based on their faith level because we, we love faith over fear, don't we? We're like faith over fear and faith over fear and faith over fear. But when some people still had some fear, what we said was, well, what, what, aren't you even a real Christian? Yes, they are. They just have some doubt. So have mercy. Yeah. Hear what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And on the flip side, there's people who like, well, you got to get vaccinated. If you, if you don't get vaccinated, you know, you, you, you're going to kill people. And you, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't love your neighbor, right? Well, have mercy. Have mercy on people. Come on. Amen. Or, or, or if you did get vaccinated, don't you even have faith? Well, they do, but have mercy. Amen. So, so that's what this have mercy. In, in the church, there's going to be people who doubt. It's going to take people time to go all in. Here's a great example of how you should have mercy. It took me nine years and a half of being a lead pastor before I preached one sermon on the middle of the book of Jude. So have mercy on those who haven't yet. Amen. Have mercy. Amen. Now, if they're preaching a false gospel and caving in to this woke progressive ideas of the world, then definitely call them out and be like, I'm out. But if they're just not talking about this stuff yet, have mercy. It's a good word, have mercy. There's a dude in the, in the Bible who um, had a demon-possessed son. And we've all got one of them, right? And so, so I don't know which one it is for you, but <laughs> anyway. Um, there's this dude in there and he, he goes up to Jesus and he's like, yo, Jesus, I need help with my possessed son. He like throw, has seizures and throws himself into fires. It's super weird and we, we don't want that to keep happening. And, um, and Jesus said, um, um, he, he's like, oh, that's right. So the dude goes, so if you can heal him, that'd be great. And uh, Jesus is like, if I can? Bro, I'm God. If I can, it's, dude, anything is possible for those who believe. Dude turns around and says, well, I do believe, Jesus, but would you help me overcome my unbelief? And then Jesus healed his child, which, by the way, helped him overcome his unbelief. Let's have mercy. Have mercy on people who aren't quite where you are. If somebody doesn't believe quite yet, if somebody doesn't believe that God can, 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 can bless their finances, if only they start tithing, don't shame them. Have mercy. Show them what he's done in your life and help. Do you see what I'm saying? If someone doesn't quite believe that God can heal their son, well, have mercy. Go over and you pray for their son. Come on, right? Like, have mercy. Jesus had mercy on him. Amen? Next one. Verse 23. And by the way, of course we're going over in this service, and I can prove to you that it's not my fault. We didn't go over in any other service this weekend, all right? It's those kids' fault, all right? It's not mine. So I'll point that out. Now, I'll have mercy on them. I'm still going to preach for them. But if it was my undisciplined character, it w- we would have done it in every service. So we're going to go over by about six minutes today. So uh, Eight, nine, nine minutes today. So verse 23 for the next point. Save others... By snatching them from the fire. Or I like to say it, be a grave robber. Scripture says that while you were dead in the grave, while you were dead in your sin, Christ died for you. That you would have eternal life. We got to get people out of their graves. We want to see people's lives resurrected in the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, this is what we're called to do. In spite of everything going on in the world, in spite of Russia and Ukraine, and in spite of what's happening with, with crazy progressive uh, theology and all this other gear, in spite of all of that, we're called to have mercy and to still be a grave robber and snatch people up out of that fire, out of that grave, and see their lives resurrected in the name of Jesus Christ. Their marriages restored, their families healed, their finances changed, everything, their emotions 
and their anxieties healed. Come on, we're called to snatch people out of the grave. Snatch is a strong word though, isn't it? It's a lot stronger than, you know, like, could I kindly borrow that hammer? Can I, could, could I encourage you to live like this? Could I motivate you out of your sin? You know, you can do it, you know? Like, you know, you know like, it's, it's stronger than that, isn't it? It's get them out of there. That means that everywhere I go, I have an intentionality that I am here to snatch you out of the grave. I'm not just going to let it happen. I'm not just going to, you know, like, like, like preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Stupidest line ever said. I know that was by some famous priest. Well, guess what? Number one, I ain't Catholic. And number two, it's garbage. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's like saying feed the poor and if necessary, give them food. It's freaking stupid. Preach the word, someone say, word of God. Amen. You've got to snatch them out of the fiery pits of hell, right? Snatch them out of the grave that they're in. That means everywhere I go, it is my plan. Every relationship that I am in, it is my plan that they would hear the word of God and be transformed by it. I will tell them about Jesus Christ. Whether I'm at St. Kilda or Starbucks, any place that I go to frequently and I'm in relationship with them, They're going to hear about Jesus, and it is my plan that they will give their lives to Christ. I want that. I care more about that than whether they like me or not. Amen? It matters more. You know, like, I'm telling you, people be like, can't you just have some relationships just to have the relationships? I'm like, no. It's like having a firefighter come to your house, and your house is on fire, and he's like, can we have coffee first? Like, no, bro. I want the firefighter that says, I'm here to snatch you up out of this fire. Amen? <clears throat> no, every relationship I'm in, the, ho- the purpose of it is that they would give their lives to Christ. If they're a Christian, is that they would become more like Christ. Why am I friends with Ian? Ian's, he's been right here all services, you know? Like, so I've got, but why am I in relationship with Ian? Not just to get to know Ian, but that Ian would become more like Christ. Snatch them out of the fiery pits of hell, Amen? Every single one of you is called to win the lost. Every one of you. Every one of you. Therefore, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's not just to the pastors and the preachers. That's to you. Amen. We're all called to win the lost. That's, that's another way we combat all the false garbage going on in the world. We bring more people into the kingdom of God, into truth and into grace. Amen. Verse 33. Y'all ready for it? And to others, or what that means is, and to everybody else, show mercy mixed with fear. Hating, mixed with fear, hating the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Mercy and fear. That means, to put it plainly, love the sinner, hate the sin. Heard someone say, love the sinner, hate the sin is not even in the Bible. Just love the sinner. I'm like, oh no, it's, it's in there. It was written in Greek and Hebrew, so it's probably not exactly that sentence. (laughs) But this is love the sinner, hate the sin. Show mercy on the sinner, but hate the stain that that sin put on their lives. Mercy and fear. It's a strange sentence, isn't it? Have mercy mixed with fear. Because we're all like, especially now, like one of our new cliches, which I love, is faith over fear. Right? Faith over fear. No fear, fear not. Fear has no hold on me. 
But scripture says, have mercy mixed with fear for that sin and fear God. And it's like, it's confusing. What's that mean? Well, I love rock climbing. Anyone here go rock climbing? Give me a wave, right? I I love rock climbing. And I don't mean like climb Iowa rock climbing, though that's fun, but it's like, on your worst day, you, you, you can't die there. And, um, and so, and so I, I like the rock climbing where I might die, you know what I mean? Like, I just do. I'm, I'm weird like that, you know? I, I get the heart pumping, you know? But, but, but so I like rock climbing. I love abseiling. I, I, one of the funnest things I think I've ever done is take a running jump off like a 100-meter cliff with a rope. Like, that, this is one of the funnest things that I've ever done. Just phenomenal, right? Pastor Sean knows exactly. Not just when you're like, oh, let's go. But I mean like running forwards and you're like, ah, you know, it's just the funnest feeling. I love it. But while I do love it, I also have a healthy fear for that height. Not fear in that I'm like, oh, no, I can't do anything. But, 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 but fear in a different sense that I have a healthy respect for the fact that if I don't have this rope and I don't have the equipment properly, I will die. And so because of that healthy fear, I behave and act and prepare accordingly. That's what this is talking about. With God, for example, what does fear the Lord mean? Well, it doesn't mean, oh, God's coming. It it doesn't mean that. It's God is all powerful and can do what he wants and he hates sin. Now, he loves me and he's a healer and he's a provider and all these things. And, and so that I wouldn't have to pay the price for my sin, Jesus Christ came and died on a cross that I could have eternal life and not be punished for the things that I did wrong. But then there's Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament and it's confusing. Ananias and Sapphira is a story in the Bible where a, a, a dude lied to the priest, uh, to, the, to the priest, to the, to the leader, to the pastor about how much he was giving. And, and, then, and then he walked away and, he, and God's like, Salt! Dude turned into salt. Like, killed him. God killed him. Now, some people are like, God didn't kill him, and they're trying to explain. No, no, it says he killed him. All right? And, and, and now, what's crazy about this story is it's after the cross. Now, don't we all do this? We're all like, you know what? Um, you know, like we sin, and, and we say to ourselves, or, I mean, I, thank God I live after the cross. You know, and we read stories in the Old Testament, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and, all these, and we're like, thank God I live after the cross. Right? Anyone else feel like that? I do. And that's true. And you should think that. But for me, fear of the Lord is like this. <clears throat> it's like, because uh, this is what Ananias and Sapphira reminds me. It reminds me of this. Man, thank God I live after the cross and God's not going to kill me. But he could. You know what I mean? Like, but he can. And, and, and that's for, it's, not, it's not I'm afraid of him. It's he is all-powerful. He hates sin. And I want to live my life with a healthy respect for that. And I want to obey him. Does that make sense? Because other than that one story, we don't see that any other. Honestly, I don't understand why that story is even in the Bible. Like I'd like to tell you it means you've got to give more or die. But it doesn't mean that. <laughs> Relax, new people. And... Uh, uh, and, uh, but just, it, no, I'm just kidding. I won't even joke about it. Uh, it also, you know, it could mean don't lie to your pastor. But it, it, I don't think it means that. It doesn't mean that. It's confusing. I wish it wasn't there. I don't understand it. But it does help me just do that one thing where I'm like, God ain't going to kill me. But he could. Just a reminder, you know, fear of the Lord. Well, what we're told in that same sense is to have mercy on sinners, but also have a healthy understanding of how dangerous their sin is. 
God's going to protect me. That, that sin's not going to get on me, but it could. I've got to be careful. Yeah. It's also hate what the sin done to them, the stain it put on their lives. Hate it enough to help them. Hate the stain and the pain of sin on their life enough to encourage them to get out of it, right? <clears throat> My family has been full of addicts of all different types, and I hate what it's done to them. I hate the stain of sin on their lives. My family has had so many drunkards and drunk people in the family, and I have hated the stain of that drunkenness on our family. Scripture would call them drunkards. I've hated the stain of it on our family, and I've hated the stain of it on their lives. And so when they ask me for another bourbon, the answer is no, and you need to stop. I love you. You're welcome at my house, drunk and all, but you need to stop. This is ruining your life and your family and your legacy. That's mercy mixed with fear. You see what that is? It's hating the stain enough. It's the same with divorce. Divorce has ruined my family generation after generation after generation. Um, God works all things together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. Absolutely. I'm so glad in hindsight now. I'm like, God, thank you that you turned that mess in my family into the, into the avenue with which uh, Wendy, my stepmom, could come into my life because she's an incredible woman of God. She loves my dad. My dad loves her and she loves us and I'm her son and it's amazing. And I thank God for that. But the pain still hurt. And so when people tell me I want to leave my wife, I say, don't do it. That stain's going to hurt. When people say, I'm going to leave my husband, say, don't do it. That stain's going to hurt. God can fix this. Don't do it. I hate the stain, but I love the person. And I've got enough mercy on that person and enough hate for that stain to help them through it. Amen. We're going to land this plane in a moment, but I want you to stand up with me and Please don't everybody start leaving if you hated the sermon. Just have enough respect for the people that loved it to stick around a little bit. Because there's a couple of there's 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 one thing I want to do before we go, okay? And it will only be a few more minutes, maybe three, four max. Not even that actually, because we did salvation earlier. Wasn't that cool seeing ten people give their lives to Christ in this service? Come on, come on. All I want to tell you is this. Let's have mercy and fear. Mercy and fear. Right? With everybody else. Care enough about people to not want them to be dead in their sin anymore. You can't name a sin that's blessed people's lives other than once they give their lives to Christ, God can make the past work together to bless the future. But you, you can't show me someone who's like just drunk off their face and they come back the next day and they're like, I made the best decisions of my life last night. You ask my wife, she's so glad I'm a drunkard. No. No, it's painful. God's not like, don't do this because I hate fun. He's like, don't do this because I hate the stain that sin puts on your life. God hates the stain. We need to hate the stain too enough. Enough to love people out of it. Now, the mercy is, I'm staying in your life anyway. Um, You're not the false preacher. You have just been entangled by some lies and garbage. And I'm staying in your life while you work your way out of it. But I am going to help you out of it. 
I am going to encourage you, tell you, speak the truth to you, and help you get out of it. Amen? Amen. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Enough to help them out. I want to pray for people in a moment. And, um, and, and we'll just do it like this. I want you to just lift up your hand in a moment. Um, and these are the three people I want to pray for. People who, um, and we'll open the front for prayer for anyone afterwards. But in the room, if you are one of the people that you've been hating sinners instead of hating sin, you need mercy. You need to have mercy. I know it's hard. I know, I know, I, I know there's some garbage going on in the world, but, but look, the word of God says have mercy. Have mercy. It doesn't mean you have to stop telling them that it's stupid, you know, but have mercy. Stay in their lives. Pray for them. Be kind to them. Invite them to coffee, whatever. But, and then also, so some of you, you need to stop hating sinners and start, and start hating the stain instead. See, if you hate the sinner, you won't engage in their lives. If you hate the stain, you will. You'll engage in their lives because you hate the stain on their lives instead of hating the person. Maybe there's other people who you've got some really tough choices to make in regards to who is and is not in your life. You know, or maybe there's some family that are, that are falling for the lies of a false gospel that removes what is and is not sin and therefore removes whether you do or do not need a savior, which is a different gospel, or a Jesus that affirms something different other than what Jesus affirmed, then you need prayer. Maybe you just have lacked the boldness to snatch people out of that grave. The Great Commission is for all of us. It's not just the pastor. It's not just on Sundays. It's for all of us. It's, in fact, I think it's it, that specifically the days that we're supposed to be fulfilling the Great Commission are all the days that end in why. And so you're all called to do that. And if you've never won anyone to the Lord, you've never snatched someone out of the fire, it's the best thing you'll get to do on earth. And, uh, and, and I just pray that you'll be filled with boldness. So if you want me to pray for you today, lift up your hand, and I'm going to pray for you for any of those three things or anything else. Awesome. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have mercy on us when we do it wrong, God. When we hate people, when we should have hated the sin instead, you've been merciful to us. God, thank you that you've been gracious to us and given us things we don't deserve. And you've not given us the punishment we did deserve. God, help us to be like you with other people. God, help us to be kind to people. God, help us to be kind to, to, to other Christians who, who still maybe have less faith than we do or haven't quite yet gone all in like we have. Lord, I pray that you, you give us a heart of mercy for all of these people, God. Mercy for sinners, Lord God, that we would hate the stain not the sinner. Hate the stain enough to be motivated, Lord God, to, to, to encourage them and to, and to preach to them and to, to have relationship with them, but also to, to tell them the truth about the stain and how there is a better way. God, help us. God, forgive us for our hatred. God, give us mercy. God, help us to make wise choices in regards to who should or should not be in our lives, Lord God. Who we need to wipe the dust off our feet and walk away from. Who we need to embrace. Who we need to pursue, Lord God. Give us wisdom, I pray. But God, for every single person in this room, I pray that you help us to hate the sin, to hate the stain and to be bold and to be intentional about winning people for Christ, about saving souls, snatching people out of the fire, God, seeing lives and families resurrected by the name and power of Jesus Christ. 
the Jesus of the Word of God, the Jesus that lives in our hearts, Lord God. God, I pray you fill us all with a boldness to get out there and to preach the truth and to win the lost and to have mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you received that word today, could you give the Lord a shout of praise? God bless you. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.